0: Uh, it is good to be back here with you guys again, and on such a special occasion, how blessed we are to be here uh to share this special day with Dave and his friends and family uh you don't get to see that very often in fact, i'm with you brandon i don't know that I've ever seen an eighty year old person baptized, so that's right. It is never too late uh, sometimes it's too late for technology to work. There we go. <laughs> Uh, It's a great thing. So it is exciting to be here with you guys. I know uh, as I talked to Sean when when he asked me if I would come and share with you guys today that you're going to have a new pastor coming in a few weeks, which is exciting. When I first came here about seven months ago, uh, you guys said your your pastor had just moved on or whatever the situation was, and we committed then to pray with Sean and this church family uh, that God would have a hand in bringing that new man to you. And so I've been on the search committee before. Seven months is pretty good. So your committee has done an (laughs) outstanding job. So uh, we're glad to be back here. I also kind of wondered, uh, you got a new guy coming? Do you bring somebody like me in to kind of set the bar a little bit low so when he shows up, uh, he'll look all that, that much better? Uh, but seriously, it's great to be here with you. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I find the older I get, the more grateful I become. Does that happen to any of you guys? Uh, I've been alive, in case you were wondering. 20,925 days, which is 688 months or 57 and a half years almost. Uh, Dave, you've been alive 960 months in one day. So there. I did that math in my head. I hope you guys are proud of me for that. Um, I do find it funny as we, talk, as we age, uh, how people talk about how they're getting older and how we describe that. Um, I had a friend recently who had a grandbaby, and I'll share a little bit about that. We've been blessed with that as well in our family. And I said, how old is your grandbaby? And he said, 25 months. And I was like, do you mean two?" Why do we have to do this in months? And that's why I was like, I'm going to start doing mine in months, 688 months. Uh, (laughs) At some point, we have to knock that off. Uh, But as I do, as I get older, I do realize that there is value in having an attitude of gratitude, we all have so much to be grateful for. When I take stock of all the things that I'm grateful for, I start my list with family, as I'm sure many of you do. Um, my wife wanted to be here today with me, uh, but she had a pressing commitment at Roundtop. Do any of you folks know what Roundtop is? Uh, so. I, I'm uh, sure here later this afternoon when she gets home, we'll have a bunch of neat stuff that we'll put in a garage sale in a year or two, <laughs> uh, but uh, that we just couldn't live without. So um, uh, I'm also grateful uh, that I married a God-fearing, God-loving woman, and I get to share somebody with my life that we have same, the same beliefs. Uh, she's pretty hot, too, so that helps. Um, <laughs> I have four boys that I'm very grateful for, Uh, actually not boys anymore, they're all grown men. My youngest graduated from college in May, Uh, so all four of my sons have graduated from college, and I'm proud of them for for that, Uh, and my youngest actually already has a job, so this is going really well, this plan is working out, let's go to school, get a degree and get a job. Uh, so that's working out. I have two, as I shared with you a second ago, uh, incredible grandchildren. Now, I'm sure yours are somewhat incredible as well, uh, but, but mine are especially incredible. I could not love them more if I tried. Uh, This capacity that God has given us to love continues to amaze me because uh, when your kids are born, you're just like, oh my gosh, these are the best things ever. But then you have to raise them and some of the shine leaves a little bit. with grandkids, they're just perfect. Uh, And so I have a almost four-year-old granddaughter and an almost two-year-old grandson, or 47 months and 26 months, if you're counting that way, uh, or 22 months. Um, So I, I also have innumerable family that I'm grateful for. I have a number of uh, a, a brother and a number of sisters, but I especially have a twin sister. Uh, she lives in Oregon. I miss her terribly, and I love her to death. Uh, there's this truth. Are there any twins in the room today? Yeah, so, so there's a bond that exists there, and I'm not crazy about that. Like, we have this thing, and I miss my twin sister. I have tons of nieces and nephews, uh, cousins, uh, a good number of in-laws, And like many of you, a few outlaws. Uh, Every family has some of those. I'm grateful for them. I love my family. We're not perfect, but we have each other, and I'm grateful for that. Jesus loved his family too. Um, He showed us that by his words and his actions, how important family actually is. So first and foremost, family. Family. Secondly, if I'm listing things that I'm grateful for, would be my friends. Uh, You may remember, or some of you may have consciously tried to forget this, but about seven months ago, I spoke here and I talked about the gift of friendship. I I used the James Taylor song, You've Got a Friend, uh, as the outline for my message. My thoughts about friendship have not changed. I think friendship is such an integral part of living the human experience. Friends are the spice of life. And if you don't have friends, I think that's truly one of the biggest ways people are poor. Uh, The beauty about your friends, continuing this spice of life analogy, is that they're all just different. You have some friends that you're with all the time they're kind of the salt and pepper of your life. Like you use them all the time. They're just part of who you are. You're with them every day, at least weekly. Uh, You call them regularly. They're involved in your lives. They're the salt and pepper. Uh, And then you have some friends that are more paprika or coriander. Like they're there, but you don't use them quite as much. You're not around them quite as much, but they're still special when you need them. Uh, And then you have a few friends probably that are the cayenne pepper of your life, like a little goes a long way, like you're, you're glad to have them when you need them, but you don't need them all that much or want them around all that much. Friends add a lot to the quality of our lives. Jesus had friends too. He loved his friends tremendously. Some of the most poignant moments in all of scripture relate to Jesus and his relationship with his friends. Lots of scripture to back that up. There's so much we all have to be grateful for. And you'll notice uh, that I haven't even talked about things yet. Uh, So I will. I'm grateful for things too, like many of you. Uh, When I talk about things that I'm grateful for, my list starts at kind of a weird place. I'm most grateful for our cows Anybody else grateful for cows? Yeah. So we raise registered Beefmaster show cattle, and I love our cows. It's a process. It's neat to see them go out and show in the show ring in an FFA, FFA contest or 4-H deal. Um, so I love our cows. Heaven knows I probably spend more money on them than I do on my kids. They've just come to deal with that like it is what it is. I didn't promise to leave you guys a lot except for cows. Like there will be some of those left when I'm gone. Um, The most tangible thing I love is my recliner. I have this beautiful mahogany colored lane recliner. It rocks, it swivels, and obviously it reclines. My wife bought this for me on my 40th birthday. So 17 and a half years ago, uh, and however many months that is if you're uh, calculating that way. And she's really become kind of jealous of that chair. It's true. Like you were always in that chair. And I'm like, well, you bought it. This is really the problem started with you. Um, uh, But I do love that chair. Um, Every message I've given in a situation like this or Sunday school lesson I've prepared was in that chair that's where I go sit. I get my study materials and my Bible and my pad and I sit down in that chair uh, and I prepare those. So that chair kind of has a special place for me too. Listen, I've eaten some pizza and fried chicken. (laughs) It's not just a holy place like I'd sit in. I'm gonna be in it later today when the Cowboys are playing. I'm gonna be sitting in that chair. And if we're truthful, probably napping a little bit. That chair has seen quite a few naps. So I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends and I'm grateful for my recliner. Okay. The older I get though, the more grateful I am for the help I get in doing things that I can't do for myself. And that list is growing every day. Recently we had to rerun some electrical wiring out at the farm. I needed to upgrade from a 30-amp breaker to a 50-amp breaker. And just for most of you guys know, that's pretty much speaking Chinese for me. Like, I'm like, okay, whatever you say. And they were like, you don't need to hire an electrician. You can just do it yourself. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not completely unhandy. I can do a lot of things myself. Like, I'll do plumbing, uh, because nobody ever died from putting two pieces of PVC together wrong. <laughs> but wire, that's a whole nother matter. So occasionally you need help. Electrical list is high on the things that I can't do myself. You know what else I've become keenly aware of as I get older? The number one thing that I could never do for myself is earn my salvation. Could not, did not, Earn it on my own, couldn't if I tried. Actually, I said that wrong. I should have said we. None of us can earn our salvation. Nobody in this room or any other room for that matter can do that. Salvation is a free gift from God. And aren't you grateful that that's the case? When I think about my salvation, it often prompts me to think about eternity, I think as all of us get closer to the end of our lives, and it's no secret here, all of our lives will end at some point, what will eternity be like? Where am I going to be going? Now, I've never shared this with you. I wouldn't have had cause to before today, but I have a terrible sense of direction. It's bad. Uh, I've been here a couple of times, but I'm going to tell you, even with my GPS, I passed the term this morning. I was like, okay, I guess we're turning around. Uh, It's just bad. My wife says, honey, you didn't get that internal compass that most men got from God, but you got an extra dose of handsome. Uh, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that, but she's not here to contradict it, so... I did not get that compass. And because of that, I appreciate really good directions. And by directions, I mean go 0.8 miles, turn left or right. If you start doing the east and west thing for me, we're going to have a problem. Uh, and that leads me to our scripture today. So for those of you that want to follow along, we're in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're gonna start with verses one through four and then we'll pick up a couple of others as we continue the message this morning. John chapter 14, verses one through four. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If there were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And I find that interesting because we get so caught up in thinking that this is what it's all about. School, work, jobs, family, When in reality, this experience is just a small fraction of time in the grand scheme of things. So here's another thing I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful that this isn't my home. That my eternal home is in heaven. There have been a lot of books written about heaven and what it will be like. Chief among them is the Bible. We gain a lot of information about what heaven will be like from Scripture. We know that God has placed eternity in our hearts. He created us with this space in our souls that can't be filled with anything except those of an everlasting duration. Now, we try to fill it. All of us try to fill it with things of a temporary nature, but we can't. We can't gather or accumulate enough stuff to assuage that feeling of emptiness that was placed in us by our creator, in all of us. When we get to heaven, though, that ache and that emptiness will vanish. When we get to heaven, every single thing we do will bring joy. Heaven will be the best place you've ever been multiplied by trillions I shared that thought with a friend recently and they were well how do you know that how do you know it's gonna be this fantastic place and I said well that's what Scripture says well how do you know it's gonna be the best place by trillions because we had just come back from a wonderful vacation out to Maine and the eastern coast of the country and we saw some of the most beautiful scenery that you will ever see clearly God inspired and I said I don't think we have the capacity to understand how great heaven will be. I don't think it's in us. And that's why I believe heaven is going to be more than we can even fathom. Recently, my wife and I took another trip to Las Vegas. Um, We were going to go see Lionel Richie, which means nothing to most of you guys, but surely there's some other Lionel Richie fans out here, Uh, and Carrie Underwood. Is that better? So, uh, Lionel Richie was the soundtrack of our youth. My wife and I went to school together. Like I don't remember how many gymnasium dances where truly was playing, and I thought I was in love again in the eighth grade. You know, it just Lionel Richie was the best. And then he canceled uh, while we were on the plane headed to Vegas, and we found something else to do. But we did get to see Carrie Underwood, and I would just encourage you, this is an unsolicited testimonial on her behalf. If you like Carrie Underwood, go to Vegas and see her show at her theater there. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, She shared a song there that many of you have heard many times, it's called Temporary Home. Have you guys heard that? She says, this is our temporary home. It's not where we belong windows and rooms that we're just passing through. This is just a stop on the way to where we're going. I'm not afraid because I know this is our temporary home. And you know, it's not often that you go to a a large theater, to a big concert like that with thousands of other people and you get a chance to worship in a room like that. She does a great job, by the way, of ending many of her songs with hymns that she tags on to the end of them. It was really a great experience, we enjoyed it. So continuing on in our scripture, there are still questions there. So we read verses one through four. Let's pick up in verse five of John chapter 14. So Jesus had said, just to reiterate, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, I want to pause there. There's another verse here, obviously, that we'll finish with. But Thomas is my man. I'm just like, yes. Can you imagine? The the disciples believed they were sitting with Jesus, with God, and he still had the courage to say, whoa, whoa, hold up. I don't know. I love people like that because I I really struggle with people that say, okay, here's how you get there, and they go through this long litany of things, and then you're too embarrassed to ask them to repeat it, so you're like, okay, that's good, and then they leave or walk off, and you're like, now, how are we going to get there? Like, I still don't know, and that's where Thomas was. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way And this is where, in my opinion, one of the most pivotal verses in all of Scripture comes into play. In verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Except through me. That's the only way to the Father, it's the only way to salvation, it's the only way to heaven, it's the only way to the home that he has built for us. Now listen, this verse is a little controversial in some parts of the world. In fact, it's controversial in this part of the world. People don't like the fact that you say there's only one way to get there. Well, what about the billions of Buddhists or whatever religion there are religions a lot larger than Christianity and if you talk to somebody about it long enough they're like so you're telling me that all these other people are going to hell yeah hate to be the bearer of bad news that's what it says If you believe that the scripture is the inspired word of God and all of it from cover to cover is true, then we have to accept this truth as well. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That's what he says. We can't get there on our own, and I, for one, am grateful that there's a way. A while back, a friend of mine introduced me to a message that was given by a pastor named Alistair Begg. Has anybody heard of Pastor Begg? Yep. Um, He's a Scottish fellow, I think, and he now pastors a church in the States, and he has a very popular radio program called Truth For Life. And many people listen to it. In fact, hundreds of thousands of people follow his radio show. I wanna share a story with you that he shared, uh, because I've listened to it so many times, and it's such a powerful message. But here's the problem, he has a Scottish or British accent, and I don't know that I could tell the difference, but I've shared this story so many times that it's virtually impossible for me to recount it without having a terrible British or Scottish accent. So my lovely wife, who's not here, said, what are you going to talk about today? And We generally don't talk about that, uh, because I'm just like, I do what I feel like God leads me to do when I'm invited to speak like this, and... uh, So she said, what are you going to talk about? I said, well, I've I've had a message that's been on my heart, and I'm going to use that story from Pastor Begg. And she was like, are you going to do the terrible accent? (laughs) I was like... I can't not do it, so I'm gonna ask you to bear with me. Literally, I try to start it out in whatever dialect this is, Texan or whatever. It invariably ends up to some English version that sounds like a poor imitation of Downton Abbey or something, so I apologize in advance. I don't want you to hear the accent. I want you to hear the message that he says. So Pastor Begg is given the message. He's talking about what they call the Fort Lauderdale question, like how did you earn your way to heaven? How did you get there? So he says this, so if you died tonight and you got to heaven, what would you say? (laughs) Which by the way, is a question that I'm like, oh my gosh, am I gonna have to answer questions when I get there? That scares me. The other thing that scares me is that there might be a video of all the shady stuff I've done in 57 and a half years and you know, if I died today and I don't wanna watch that video. Um, So anyway, I hope I didn't plant that seed in your head and you're now like, there's a video. Uh, I don't know that. So if you died tonight and you got to heaven, what would you say? If your answer starts with I, you've immediately gone wrong. Because I believed. Or because I have faith. Or I this. Or I that. No loved ones. The only proper response is in the third person. Because he. Because he. You think about the thief on the cross. I can't wait to find that fella and ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were cussing the guy out with your friend. you would never been in Bible study. You never got baptized. You don't know a thing about church membership. And yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said at the gate. What are you doing here? Well, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, uh, let me go get my supervisor angel. So the supervisor angel shows up and he says, son, we've got just a few questions for you. Okay. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? Guy says, I've never heard of it in my life. Okay, well, what about? Um, let's just go to the doctrine of Scripture then immediately. The guy's just staring at him. Finally, in frustration, the supervisor angel says, Sir, on what basis are you here? And he says, The man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. That's the only answer. The man on the middle cross said I can come. And if I don't preach the gospel all day and every day, then I'm just lost. And if I take my eyes off the cross, I can only give lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if salvation depended on me. It does not. Okay. You guys tired of the accent? (laughs) Me too. Me too. Listen, go watch it on YouTube. Alistair Begg, it pops up immediately. The man on the middle cross. uh, I can almost guarantee you won't watch it once. You just start watching it and you're like, how true is this? And if you've accepted Christ as your savior, it resonates with you. How important what he just said is. Nothing we can do could have earned our salvation. It's only because of the man on the middle cross. So we started out a little bit ago this morning talking about things that I'm grateful for. It's true. I would say it even if they were here. I'm grateful for my family. Like, we've all been blessed with one. I I tell my sons, uh, two of them who are now married, there's some things you can't argue with your wife about. Okay, really, there's a bunch, (laughs) but there's there's a couple. Uh, One is their job. Like, if they have to work, they have to work. That's the way the world works. Don't give them grief about that. It is what it is. The other is their family they didn't pick. We get the families we get. So don't, don't give them grief about those things. By the way, the family she's getting ain't great either. So she, there's going to be issues on both sides. So I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. I think about how lonely and sad my life would be without the color and the spice that friends bring to it. I'm trying to make a more conscious effort on a daily basis to let those people know how much I appreciate them. This life is short, and sometimes it comes to an abrupt ending. And we don't want to leave those things unsaid. Tell those people around you that you care about them, that you love them, and that you value their friendship. I'm grateful for this body of believers and the opportunity to be here to share with you today. I'm grateful for the bright new future you guys have under the leadership of your new pastor. And I hope you pray for him and embrace him and help him as he leads this body of Christ. Listen, I'm grateful for that recliner. I'm not, there's no getting around it. Uh, it is what it is. The best one I've ever had. It's Lane And if you want to tell somebody and they send me a small commission, I'm fine with that. Lane makes a great recliner. Listing the things that we're grateful for is a wonderful exercise. It opens our hearts. It opens our minds. It opens our eyes to the many ways that God blesses us. This is a tough world we live in. It can be a tough life sometimes. In the midst of those tough times, pause. Make a list of the things you're grateful for. I'm not talking about casually. Get out a piece of paper and a pen. Paper is this stuff that gets made out of trees. uh, Or you can do it on an iPad. It's a little hypocritical of me to give you guys grief about paper when I'm using an iPad. Um, Make a literal list of all the things you're thankful for. It will make your day when you sit down and look at it. I'll finish with this. When I'm making my list and I think of all those things that I'm grateful for, the thing at the very top of my list is the fact that this is my temporary home. That God has prepared a place for me in heaven with him and that the man on the middle cross said I can come. Let's pray.